Courtesy of Bob the Engineer, Dolly the Reception, and yes, your host, your servant, the Jester. Oh. My. Lord. We're wired that way. No point in fighting it. Hi, everybody. I'm Archie Bell with the Thrills of Houston, Texas. We don't only sing, but we dance. When you say but, you said a lot of things nobody else can say. Service announcement from Brill Cream. Finally, someone has reinvented the wheel. Hey, uh, you tuned into the ravings of a clown on Just Radio. <laughs> Don't argue with the ball. Roger, we'll go. It's as good as done. The complete solution for your home PC. Let it burn. Good evening and welcome to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio. Come on in, have a seat, make yourself to home. Swing. Hello, my name is Jimmy Pop and I'm a dumb white guy. I'm not old or new, but middle school, fifth grade, like junior high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't know, mofo, if y'all peeps be bugging, giving props to my hoe, cause she fly, but I can take All right. the cause I'm the other white meat. No, that'll do. Get funky Sand man, I'm hung like planet Pluto, hard to see with the naked eye. But if I crashed into Uranus, I would stick it where the sun don't shine, cause I'm kind of like Han Solo, always stroking my Always stroking my walkie. Alright, that'll the do, Bob. Hey, 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 come on in, settle down, make yourself to home. Why, you're tuned into the ravings of a clown on Just Radio, funnily enough. Heaven knows how you ended up here, but thank goodness you did. 
And such a show we have for you, as Grandma Jester would say, featuring uh, the evening news and what's going on in that sick fucking world of yours and the greatest and classic rock folk and comedy anywhere on the net. And this evening we got a superb playlist uh, for you, including uh, Pink Floyd, uh, The Birds, Bob Dylan, Danny O'Keefe, Dar Williams, Jay Giles, The Beatles. Holy crap. I know what you're thinking to yourself. All that on one station, on one show, in one evening? Well, yeah. That and so much more. Plus, we're taking your requests. Tell us what you want to hear. We'll get it on the air uh, within 15 minutes, or I have my left testicle surgically removed live uh, on the air without the benefit of anesthesia. And man, that's going to fucking hurt. So not going to let that happen. Uh, so get your requests in. Get them in early and get them in often. Uh, you can send them to requests at com. Stop by the website, click on requests, and we'll get it that way. Or you can uh, simply give us a call, 646-502-8600. Get you live on the air with the jester. Don't be shy. Got something to say about it? Then by all means, give us a call. Uh, also, you can uh, join us in the jester radio chat room. It's where all the happening people uh, hang out. And uh, that's also easy to get uh, into. You just simply head over to www.jesterradio.com, keeping in mind that there are two R's in that URL. And I trust that you'll figure out where they are. And um, when you get there, you just uh, click on where it says chat on the top there. And uh, if you can't figure it out from there, then we don't need you. No, I'm just kidding. Then just uh, drop us a line. You could always AOL instant message us here at Jester Radio. Our AOL screen name is Jester Radio 1. So in an emergency, you can always uh, get a hold of somebody here. And you could always Skype in. Our Skype name is Jester Radio. And once again, our phone number is 646-502-8600, 646-502-8600. Jot that down because you're going to want to um, – there's going to be something, I say, during the course of the evening that's going to really piss you off. So you'll have that number handy for when you need to call in and start uh, cursing me out. Uh, first thing I want to say is I had a fascinating conversation today um, because I was the subject uh, with uh, S. Poe, uh, my old and good friend, um, who's mostly human and um, warm and loving in the kind of way that a, um, a snake is warm and loving. And I don't mean anything... Believe me, seriously, I really don't mean anything against the snake. But he says that every time I say the word nigger, he cringes. And, you know, over the years, we had this conversation on the air last night. Over the years, I've decided, you know, that any word that I'm not allowed to say, I'm going to use more extra. <laughs> because, you know, I have that problem where I like to, like, piss people off because it's a... It's the only way that I can, you know, feel like I make an impression on somebody sometimes. I'm so desperate for love and affection that even negative attention, even the idea of somebody thinking, what a scumbag, to me is better than no, them not thinking about me. That's just part of the package, folks. So, 
But um, he really gave me a lot of thought. When he said he cringed, I don't want anybody to cringe when I say nigger. The point isn't to make people cringe. Um, you know, I don't. Uh, and I asked him, are you a racist? And he said, well, uh, and he, you know, <laughs> didn't really say no. Um, but uh, I asked somebody else today, am I a racist? And they had a hard time saying no. So, but they said a lot of things like, oh, we all prejudge and we all have thoughts and we're all looking over our shoulder at the ATM and we ain't looking for the media. We're not looking for, you know, John Stossel. We're looking for niggers. So maybe that's what, and he was like, he kept asking me, what do you mean by nigger? What do you mean by nigger? Um, because it's such a bad negative word. I must mean like the bad black people. But I just said, you know, I just mean black people. Just like I would call a white person a fucking honky or call a Jew person a, a Jew boy or a yid or a kike or something. Because I resent the fact that there's a limit on these words, that people will use them and play the sympathy card and say, oh, my God, he used this horrible word. How could we even continue the conversation? Because to me, it's not the words. It's the meaning. You know, look at my friends and look at the people I hang out with and look at people I talk to. Look at the people that I respect and refer to. Look at the musicians that I listen to. And then, you know, if you could say that you think that I judge people on their skin color, well, I try very hard not to. I'm sure we all do to some extent. But it's not what I mean when I say the word nigger. But on the other hand, I really don't want people to cringe. I definitely don't want it to distract uh, from what I'm saying so much so that you can't really hear what I'm saying. So... I guess I have to th rethink a lot of things about that term. And the other person that I asked, they made a lot of interesting, good, uh, a lot of good points about how obviously everybody has these feelings, these negative feelings, these prejudices based on um, past experience. It's not just on color and race, um, but it's on people's names and people's height and people's sex and people's sexual orientation and everything you know, about somebody enables them to become a movie screen upon which you project um, your past and your history. So we all do that to a certain extent. So didn't really get them to say one way or the other if I'm a racist, but I really don't want to be. Uh, recognizing the fact that I'm human and I have these prejudices like everybody else, I definitely want to be the kind of person that makes an effort to uh, not... Um, judge people negatively based on any external factor, skin color, race, uh, waist size, uh, eye color, etc. Um, so more about that. And also um, I had this conversation, shouldn't do it, and I really, you know, it got so close to the time I was going on the air, I actually got to the point where I was thinking that I would not go on the air tonight because I had this conversation with the Jeff and I'll tell you all about it and it just was very upsetting, you know? And that's uh, too bad. Uh, hey, you're live on the air with uh, the Jester. Yo, nigga. Yo, nigga. Who's my nigga? <laughs> By the way, do you remember that scene in that movie, Who's My Nigga? What was the name of that movie? The Who's My Nigga movie? Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I, he only, only said watch. it like 5,000 times in the movie. He kept saying to Halle Berry, who he hired to have him, to, to have her kill him. 
Uh, oh, 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 Bo, Bo, uh, 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 the Bullworth. Bullworth, thank you. Uh, in the movie, by the way, S. Poe uh, knows every movie and every single person that's ever been in every single movie. Um, so I, don't I never even, said you were racist. So I don't Get even bother. I don't even bother to ask him. Do you know the movie? I just go right to the part where tell me the name of the movie. Um, in in a similar way, where somebody might not say to me, "Do you remember the Twilight Zone episode?" In which they can just go directly to the details of the episode. So. Um, yeah, I hear you. you. You didn't call me a racist, but I did no, ask you. No, you asked me. I said, no, you're not. Okay. But why would you characterize it differently? Well, I guess that's my problem, too. Maybe I hear, you know, with a foreign accent or something, but I didn't hear the word no come out. Stra- I mean, I believe you. but hey, the, It's the, all on tape. It's... <laughs> But I, th- I definitely think. Uh, but in any case, there was this great scene, uh, and it was repeated over and over again, like a running gag in this movie, where this guy hires somebody, an unknown person, to kill him because he finds out he's sick and dying, and he's too chicken to kill himself. And um, <clears throat> along the way, he he's this very conservative politician. But along the way, knowing he only has hours, minutes, days to live, he becomes very open and honest and free. So we have this politician that is suddenly honest. It's the you know this incredible uh, tiny little window, um, and he meets and falls in love with a woman half his age who's a black woman, and he says to her at one point, "Are you my nigger?" And she says, "Yes, of course I'm your nigger." So for the rest of the movie, they keep saying to each other, "Who's your nigger?" It was like their very sweet little. Um, Little, a little love talk term of endearment there, so uh, you certainly don't think that's that doesn't make you cringe when you hear it in that context, does it? No, when you call your pot dealer a nigger, it just makes it seem like uh, you don't respect him or something. Well, I hear you, I, I, but I hear you, but I, you know, I'm confused by it because I call you a fucking kike, and I don't know. Do you think I don't respect you? I mean, why do you think that word means you don't? No, respect? I'm not saying that. You why don't, should we? I'm st- saying it sounds that way. Yeah. And I, why would you want to block your communication by having people stop and say, "Well, what's wrong with the?" Because I want people that? to stop and say the word "nigger" doesn't have any impact on me. We should keep saying nigger, nigger, nigger until it just is like the word table. Why? Because we can't have words that bring up this terrible emotional response. Words have meanings, right? Because so they're argument the stoppers. Nigger, if I, if I say the word nigger in a conversation um, and you can stop the conversation and say, I can't go any further. He said nigger. That's an off. Then where do we draw the line? What if I say the word caca? Or what if I you, uh, draw a picture of Muhammad in jest? Where do you draw the line with how you're offended I'm not saying by that what the I word, say? I'm saying the word has a meaning and you're... What is the meaning of the word nigger? I thought it's just black it, person. It's an offensive word. It's again it's the offense is that, the response, not, the, use not the not the way I use it. It's not the again. I could use the word right. Well, you could use it any way you want, but it doesn't communicate what you want it to. So why block communication? What's the purpose? The purpose is so it could be a table. Why should it be a table? Why is that your business? Well, um, well put. 
Well put. Uh, you're absolutely right. If I have to, and I, it gave me a great deal of pause for thought. If I have to change, um, you know, using the word, um, I certainly don't think. For example, my drug dealer, who you referred to, I have the highest regard. He's one of my idols. Right, but but so you leave me to believe that you don't have any respect for him at all because instead of saying he's my drug dealer, you say this nigger. Right. Right. right, so so I'm automatically going to think. At first, I'm going to think, well, he doesn't like this guy, or he thinks he thinks right. less of him. Well, I guess it's like bathroom humor. I guess I want people to just sort of giggle uh, at the th- hearing the word nigger in such no, a casual no one's way. No one's giggling. I hear you. I hear you. Or at least you're not. Well, yeah, you should take a poll. Get all your other callers. All right. Well, okay. Thanks very much for calling, Poe. Appreciate Idiot. that. Uh, so, yeah, what do you think? Is the word nigger offensive to you? If so, why? It, doesn't it matter that my meaning is different than your, the way you take it? Am I responsible for the way you take what I say? Um, and if that's the only reason I'm saying it, as Poe uh, pointedly uh, uh, pointed out, um, then, you know, should I be using words that way? Words do have meaning. So if I mean cesspool, don't say bicycle. And if uh, the word nigger is intended, was written, was created as a word in order to denigrate somebody, then, um, and I don't want to do that, then I shouldn't use the word. And that's um, uh, well put and uh, makes me consider. Time now to turn our attentions to the headlines from high atop Jester Radio Studios in a secret location outside your universe. President Bush defiantly defended the Iraq war today as U.S. troops began a sixth year of combat in the long and costly conflict that has been dominated by his presidency. Bush conceded the war has been harder and more expensive than anticipated, but insisted it has all been necessary to keep Americans safe. Man, you really don't want to hear the president of the United States say, yeah, it's gone on a lot longer than we thought it would. Um, because, like, the, you know, then what the fuck are you doing in charge? If you can't, you know, make that, if you don't have an exit strategy before dropping the first bomb, um, you know, you need to go. Protesters marked the anniversary of the U.S. invasion with demonstrations near the White House and in other cities, though they seem to lack the fervor of those preceding the war. Bush, in a speech at the Pentagon, offered some of his boldest assessments of progress and said the war's legacy is absolute. The world is better, and the United States of America is safer. And again, we keep going back to this um, sort of noblesse oblige concept that these people, these elite, separate people living in ivory towers, a guy who doesn't even recognize a grocery scanner when he sees one, he's so fucking detached from humanity, um, that uh, they don't really think about the regular guy and what he's going through. And they don't think about the thousands of people that have died, uh, the thousands of families in the United States, or the tens of thousands of people that were wounded, or the tens of thousands of Iraqis that have died. They just think about their place in the history book. And uh, yes, it took a lot longer, and yes, we lost a lot more people, uh, but uh, it was necessary to keep America safe, and uh, history uh, will bear us out. And the world is better, and the United States is safer. Um, 
war-weary country isn't nearly so convinced. The majority of people think the invasion was a mistake, polls show. However, Americans are more split about how the war is going and when U.S. troops should be pulled home as reduced violence in Iraq has begun to influence the public view. Almost 4,000 U.S. military members have died. More than 29,000 have been wounded, cost uh, at $500 billion so far and counting. No one would argue that this war has not come at a high cost in lives and treasure, Bush said. But those costs are necessary when we consider the cost of the strategic victory for our enemies in Iraq. Wow. Uh, couldn't disagree mo more. I don't think it would cost 4,000 U.S. lives, um, even if uh, Iraq just turned into one big, you know, f a, a clusterfuck of terrorists. You know, the first thing they would do is implode on themselves. Uh, one third of, you know, they'd kill each other off um, and eliminate, you know, a huge uh, hunk uh, so they would do, the, you know, the damage sort of like that movie Escape from New York, where you throw all the criminals into just, you know, one big pit. And, you know, they fucking, you know, they they fuck, suck and cornhole and rape and fucking kill and, you know, massacre each other. Uh, you know, for the first, you know, 10, 12 years, it's just going to be that. Before they even bother getting around to, you know, worrying about the enemy without. The U.S. has about 158,000 troops currently in Iraq. That number is expected to drop to 140 by the summer. But Bush signaled anew that he will not pull more troops home as long as his commanders worry that doing so will imperil recently improved conditions in Iraq. Once again, uh, acting like this is on orders from his commanders. This is on their recommendation as if... Uh, the military makes foreign policy. It's quite the other way around. Bush is the one who's deciding how long it takes for them to be there. The commanders are simply following orders. If Bush says, yeah, now's the time to get out, <laughs> I assure you the generals will not step forward and say, please, Mr. President, not yet. Having come so far and achieved so much, we're not going to let this happen, Bush said. Demonstrators converged in the nation's capital, other big cities, like Miami and San Francisco and in smaller towns in Vermont and Ohio to urge an end to the war. Police arrested more than 30 people who blocked the Internal Revenue Service building in Washington and protesters blocked downtown intersections several times. People are especially pissed that, of course, the money's coming out of their own pockets. However, the demonstrators numbered in the hundreds rather than the thousands that the organizers had hoped for, even as this time in power wane, Bush made clear that he'll prosecute the war as he deems fit until the very, very end of his presidency. Basically saying to the American people who elected him, you can suck my skinny little flaccid uh, Texas dick. Um, I don't give a fuck what the American people want. It's my presidency. It's my legacy. I'll do as I damn well please. Osama bin Laden warned Europeans of a severe reaction to come, condemning the publication of drawings insulting to the Prophet Muhammad in a new audio message posted late today. Uh, uh, still, these you talk about people who are looking for an excuse to get pissed. Um, this was a, a couple of uh, cartoons that was uh, drawn a year and a half ago in Denmark. Um, 
Muslims uh, were outraged, not just because it goofed on Muhammad, but because Muhammad was actually depicted in the cartoon. And to draw a picture of Muhammad is a blaspheme against their beloved god, Muhammad. Now, apparently it's not just a blaspheme if one of them does it, because they believe it, but it's a blaspheme even if you do it, even if you don't believe it, even if you think Muhammad's a figment of their perverted imagination, like many of us do. Uh, it doesn't matter. You're still, it's still a blaspheme. So you need to be punished every bit as much as if it were a, um, uh, a Muslim who had blasphemed Muhammad. And by the way, why you ask, is it, an insult to blaspheme Muhammad? Why do they even care? What's the big deal? Why don't you know? Why does it not just roll off their back or them forgive you or love you or uh, you know? Why does it you know come down to uh, you know they have to punish you for disrespecting what they believe? I have no fucking idea, honestly. Uh, I never did understand that whole idea that if you don't believe it and you don't go along with my beliefs, then my beliefs aren't worth shit. If you believe that it's insulting to draw pictures of Muhammad, then don't fucking do it. And then I guess when you get to heaven, Muhammad will, uh, you know, send all the bad people who drew pictures of him to hell and you'll be uh, okay if that's what happens. But uh, why do I have to respect your shit? Well, why do you even care? What does it even matter to me? It, you know, we, we're so tolerant of everybody else's tastes when it comes to almost anything. If you want pepperoni on your pizza, some people like, uh, you know, um, mushrooms. Why don't I get insulted if you don't like pepperoni? Uh, what if, uh, you know, why does uh, Baskin Robbins have 31 flavors? Why doesn't everybody have to like the same flavor? Because we're all fucking different. Some people like something. Some people believe something else. So... Why is it just that thing about religion that makes people go bonkers if you don't respect their fucking wacky beliefs? And I think the answer is because deep down inside, on some level, they don't believe their own beliefs. This is what uh, Sam Harris always talks about, the danger of religion. You have a society of people walking around living in complete fucking self-denial, forcing themselves to believe that on the something that on the very face of it is absurd that there's a monster in the sky that sees everything we do and punishes us uh, after we die it's a joke there's no evidence of it there's no reason for it in the universe there would be no um, reason Occam's razor uh, states that the simplest explanation of things is usually the correct one and um, so the message which appeared on a militant website said that uh, uh, that that always carries these Al-Qaeda statements in the past and bears the logo of the extremist group's media wing Al-Sahib, or Sahab, showed a still image of bin Laden aiming with an assault rifle. They always got to hold the rifle because it's such a, a, you know, religious thing to do is to be seen with your gun. The response will be what you see and not what you hear. And let our mothers bereave us if we do not make victorious our messenger of God. Translated, I have no idea what that fucking means. The response will be what you see and not what you hear. So I guess it's going to be a quiet explosion. 
five-minute message. Bin Laden's first this year made no mention of the fifth anniversary today of the U.S.-led invasion of Iraq. Came as the Muslim world marks the Prophet Muhammad's birthday tomorrow and the reigniting of a two-year-old controversy over some Danish cartoons deemed by Muslims to be insulting. Islamic law generally opposes any depiction of the Prophet, even favorable, for fear that it could lead to idolatry. These people are so weak, they can't have women wearing anything uh, that reveals the outline of their body for fear that they'll be um, uh, filled with uh, a maniacal lust. Uh, they can't have pictures of Muhammad for fear that they'll be subject to worshiping idols. Man, these people <laughs> have very little faith in themselves. I see pictures of people every day. I don't worship them. Danish intelligence service said the reprinting of the cartoon has brought negative attention to Denmark and may have increased the risk to Danes at home and abroad. The original 12 cartoons first published and a Danish newspaper triggered major protests in Muslim countries uh, in 2006. Uh, there have been renewed protests in the, just this last month. Ben Vensky, the head of the uh, Intel Center, a U.S. group that monitors militant messages, called today's video a clear threat against EU member countries and an indicator of a possible upcoming significant attack. So be on the lookout. Uh, Osama is once again striking fear. This is this cocksucker that Bush let escape into the fucking mountains. He's once again um, beating his chest, uh, you know, warning uh, the world that the wrath of the Muslims will be felt and heard but not seen and, you know, whatever the fuck kind of jibber-jabber mysterious bullshit uh, it's an open threat, and it's all because somebody drew a cartoon. So, uh, you know, going back to Poe's argument before, did they? Is there any other reason to draw the cartoon other than to insult somebody? Uh, why would you draw a cartoon other if that if that's the purpose of that? If the use of the word nigger is just to be a, a pejorative, then it's um, and you don't mean to be pejorative then you shouldn't use the word. So if the cartoonist, if there was no other possibility of his cartoon other than being insulting, then, and he didn't want to insult Muslims, then why would he have drawn such a cartoon? Uh, unless it was to draw attention to the fact that it's stupid to be insulted by a cartoon. Just like I feel this strong... Re reason to say nigger as a protest against feeling that, you know, uh, the the world doesn't get to tell me what I mean when I use words. And even though words have meaning, uh, they have to be taken in the context of everything I say and do, not just that one word. And if I say, yeah, he's a great guy, he's a, uh, he taught me how to dance, you know, fucking niggers uh, dance great. I don't mean that in a bad way. Uh, I could say Italian, you know, he, he taught me how to cook. Italians cook great. I don't mean that in a bad way. You know, if I use the word guinea instead of Italians, that doesn't mean that I don't, you know, that I disrespect the guy. There is other reasons for using the word nigger, is what I'm trying to say. There is other reasons for drawing that cartoon other than just to insult somebody. In other more somber observances, organizers set up a nine-mile display of about 4,000 T-shirts in Cincinnati meant to symbolize the members of the U.S. military killed in Iraq. 
while Louisville, Kentucky demonstrators lined rows of military boots, sandals, and children's tennis shoes on the steps of a courthouse. Lori Wolburton of Louisville, Kentucky, whose son just finished an Army tour of duty in Iraq, said she fears the worsening of the U.S. economy has caused Americans to forget about the war. We're not paying attention anymore, she said. My son has buried his friends. He's given eulogies. He's had to go through things no one should have to go through. And over here, they're forgotten. They just go shopping instead. On previous anniversaries, tens of thousands of people marched through the major U.S. cities, more than 100,000 gathered on several occasions leading up to the invasion. Only a few hundred mustered for one of uh, today's largest gatherings in Washington. Crowd size, perhaps, kept in check by late winter uh, storm system that stretched the length of the country. Dozens of people were arrested, most of them at demonstrations in San Francisco, Washington, and Syracuse. So even though there was just a fraction of those folks out there uh, there was still plenty to arrest. And the war goes on, and uh, people are you know, just becoming numb. And they're not even, you know, going to protests anymore. People just feel uh, absolutely beaten down. You're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jest Radio. This Wednesday, March the 18th, the year of our Lord, 2008, tell you the rest of that conversation I had with uh, Jeff um, coming up. It's still going on. You know, I shouldn't get into conversations. I sort of started it maybe two hours before the show, never thinking it would go into that, but it uh, just somehow slipped into uh, this um, talk. And it's still going around. I'm having a hard time. You know, it's like uh, um, that song uh, by... Um, what the hell was his name? Uh, Jose Feliciano. Uh, the windmills of your mind. Round like a circle in a spiral. Like a wheel within a wheel. Never ending or beginning on an ever spinning reel. Um, like the images you find in the windmills of your mind. Please don't fuck with that dial. You're listening to the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio, coming to you from a secret location outside your universe. Like a circle in a spiral, like a wheel within a wheel, never ending or beginning, on an ever-spinning reel, like a snowball down a mountain, or a carnival balloon. Like a carousel that's turning, running rings around the moon. Like a clock whose hands are sweeping past the minutes of its face. And the world is like an apple whirling silently in space. Like the circles that you find in the windmills of your mind. Like a tunnel that you follow. To a tunnel of its own Down a hollow to a cavern Where the sun has never shone Like a door that keeps revolving In a half-forgotten dream Like the ripples from a pebble Someone tosses in a stream Like a clock whose hands are sweeping As the minutes of its face And the world is like an apple Silently in space 
the circles that you find in the windmills of your mind. Keys that jingle in your pocket, words that jangle in your head. Why did summer go so quickly? Was it something that you said? Lovers walk along the shore, leave their footprints in the sand. Is the sound of distant drumming just the fingers of your hand? Pictures hanging in a hallway and the fragment of a song. I've remembered names and faces, but to whom do they belong? When you knew that it was over You were suddenly aware That the autumn leaves were turning To the color of a hair Round like a circle in a spiral Like a wheel within a wheel Never ending or beginning On an ever spinning reel As images unwind Like the circles that you find In the windmills of your mind In the windmills of your mind Of your mind. Like a tunnel that you follow to a tunnel of its own, down a hollow to a cavern where the sun has never shone. Like a door that keeps revolving in a half forgotten dream. Or the ripples of a pebble someone tosses in a stream, like a clock whose hands are sweeping past the minutes of its face, and the world is like an apple whirling silently in space, like the circles that you find in the windmills of your mind. From the Thomas Crown Affair, Jose Feliciano, you're listening to the ravings of a clown. On Jester Radio, hanging in the uh, Jester Radio chat room with S. Poe and Louie. Why not stop by and say hi? They're a couple of uh, amiable folks, and they'll greet you uh, with, um, I don't know. Uh, 646-502-8600 gets you live on the air. Maybe you got some advice for me. So anyway, I had this conversation with the Jeff, I started to say. Um, not sure how it came up. Uh, it was another one of these things where the conversation was sort of ending, and um, I guess I just you know opened my fucking yapper. You know, I'm just uh, I've been trying very hard to really think and think and think, and you know maybe I just feel like I'm ready to say some shit. You know, a couple of it's been happening a couple of times the past few weeks. Um. But, you know, as usual, my mind sort of locks in on these, like, words and phrases that I hear, and I have a very hard time uh, getting through those words and phrases um, and and hear what the other person is saying because I'm feeling all kinds of shit, man. It's like, you know, like fucking bullets hitting me in the gut. 
So I said something about our relationship and this and that and whatever the fuck happened. And, you know, I, I don't really remember. Again, it's just a few hours ago, a couple hours ago. And I honestly don't even remember. But I said all this shit and she listened and she said all this shit. And, and the things that I heard among the things that she said was a lot of things about her life and herself and how great it is for her to be alone. And... um one of the things I mentioned is, you know, I feel bad a lot of the time you talk about being alone, but, you know, you're alone by choice. And she said, yeah, well, it's been really good for me, and it's the first time in my life and uh, that I've been alone. And I heard all that, and I think that's great. You know, anything that somebody says is good for them and great for them, I feel good about. Uh, and I could separate that from the fact that it's not good for me. Um, but then she said something, you know, she referred to our relationship as being th this thing that it could have been and would have been and maybe 20 years from now and um, maybe I'll have six or seven more lovers or maybe I'll just die uh, before, you know, have another one. And this is the, the, those are the bullets, you know, because for me, I'm not hearing past my feelings, which are um, this is not like another relationship for me. There's a tiny little group of people in the 48 years that I've been alive that I have ever given a flying fuck about that have any effect on me emotionally whatsoever. Tiny little group of people, my brothers, my sister, my mother, my father. Outside of that, it, the, the group gets much smaller, a couple of shrinks, a couple of friends. Um, and even with those friends over the years, you know, I've been alive long enough to see a lot of those friendships come and go. But there's always been this tiny little core in my gut that are just the, you know, like this this core group for me. And whatever they say and do has a big effect on how I feel. <laughs> Lucky for them. You know, so I made some sound like, yeah, you know, I hear you about this thing about how a lot of time you think about a relationship. It's a big burden. You're always thinking about what the other person is thinking. It's big. They're high maintenance and and so on. And she, again, went out of her way to say, no, it's not about you and how high maintenance you are. It's about anybody or anything. But again, man, just to sort of see me in this group with anybody and anything, when I, when I see her as separate from all the other things in my life uh, was fucking killer for me. And all I kept thinking of is, why do I keep stepping into it, man? Why am I still here? Why am I still... Uh, you know, why didn't I just fucking give it all up and move on? Um, you know, she's saying words, and I hear other words, words like relationships come and go and this shit, you know, and things that make me hopeful for the future. But then she says things, in the, you know, that like, I don't know, 20 years from now could be this and that. Uh, I'm not definitely looking for something 20 years from now. I'm definitely looking for something yesterday. So... There you go. That's my deal. And uh, so I guess I'll have to figure some way of uh, responding to that. I remember when I was very young and started making some good money. And um, my brother and I w were working the family business. Sometimes we'd write ourselves a, a really nice check on a Friday. And we'd go down to the parking lot uh, behind our office building together and pick up our cars. Or a lot of time we commuted together. And um, we would frequently, holding these checks in our hand, we would frequently say, you know, out loud these thoughts 
Um, just joking, of course. You know, we had wives and children and families and mortgages and houses. But we'd say, boy, you know, a fella can start over with a fucking check like this. There's this little dream always in the back of your head that, um, you know, especially if you're like me and your life has been mostly crap, uh, that this there's something very attractive in selling uh, out and moving on. And that's what I did when I, you know, moved, when I, you know, left my wife and, and my children and moved to in with the Jeff, you know, maybe, I guess, for four or five years ago now. Um, and I haven't moved on from them. We haven't been living, we've been living apart much longer than we were living together. And yet here I am in the same town and the same, you know, talking to her every day on the phone. And, uh, so I'm the one that hasn't moved on. And that's the, that's the terrible thing because... I do not want to move on. I don't want to hear, you know, maybe things will be different 20 years from now. Uh, I don't want to hear, you know, maybe I'll have six or seven more lovers in my life. Um, you know, all I want to hear is, wow, I can't fucking believe I gave up not having you that interim 24 years. And now that I got you back, you know, that's all I fucking want. That's all I want to hear. Is that uh, unreasonable? I don't think so. Tell me. If you think it's unreasonable, tell me. 646-502-8600 gets you an opportunity to get live on the air with me and say any fucking thing you damn well please. And I'm sure there's something that's pissing you off. Or maybe you got some advice. I'm ser totally serious about that. Uh... The uh, residents of low-lying towns stacked sandbags and grabbed belongings and evacuated today after a foot of rain pushed rivers and creeks out of their banks in, in the nation's midsection. Uh, at least 13 deaths have been linked to the weather. Three people were missing in Piedmont, Montana. Record or near-record flood crests were forecast at several towns uh, in Missouri. Flooding was reported in large areas of Arkansas, Parts of southern Illinois, southern Indiana, and southwestern Ohio. And schools were closed in part of western Kentucky because of flooded roads. We got water rising everywhere, said Jeff Korb, president of the Vandenberg County um, Industries Commissioners. The National Weather Service posted flood and flash warnings from Texas to Pennsylvania. After two days, rain had finally stopped falling by today. Uh, this afternoon in much of Missouri and Arkansas, as the weather system crawled towards the northeast, drenching the Ohio Valley, spreading snow over parts of northern New England. A parallel band of locally heavy rain stretched from Alabama and Georgia to the mid-Atlantic states. So uh, a lot of weather we've been having. Probably because God hates fags. Video has surfaced showing two members of the South Carolina Highway Patrol using their cruisers to ram fleeing suspects just weeks after two leaders of the agency resigned because of a furor over troopers' use of a racial slur. In one of the two new dash cam videos, which were reported today by the Post and Courier of Charleston, Lance Corporal Stephen C. Garin drives after a man on foot, striking him when he crosses in front of Garin's cruiser. The man flips over the car's hood and high into grass on the roadside. Yeah, I hit him. I was trying to hit him, Garin who's white, can be heard telling another trooper. In the other, Lance Corporal, uh, Corporal Alexander Richardson drives between apartment buildings 
on sidewalks and past onlookers in an attempt to run down a suspect. After about a minute, Richardson's car bumps the man who grabs the vehicle in an attempt to steady himself. Man doesn't fall, and he takes off running. Sid Golden, a spokesman for the Department of Public Safety, said neither trooper was available for comment. Message left on the number for an Alexander Richardson was not returned. Garen did not have a listed phone number. The videos depicted isolated events, and the troopers involved have been punished, Golden said. Garen received a three-day suspension, which was appealed. Richardson was re- reprimanded and completed a stress, a stress management course for, <laughs> for running some guy over in the road. Jeffrey Alpert, a stu- University of South Carolina criminal justice professor who consults with police on pursuit policy, says using cars as battering rams shows poor decision-making. They're just lazy, Alpert said. Rather than get out of the car or get into a foot race or tackle someone, they'll just hit him with the car with the bumper, and they hope they don't run him over. Alpert said he had never had any training materials that advised authorities to use cruisers to hit suspects on foot. The suspects in both of the new videos are black. One of the troopers involved is white. The other one is black. Uh, The Post and Courier report about the videos comes three weeks after the Highway Patrol Colonel Russell Rourke and his boss, Public Safety Director James Schweitzer, submitted their resignations over the handling of an incident in which a white trooper used a racial slur during a traffic stop. You better run, then Lance Corporal Daniel C. Campbell said, using a derogatory term for blacks, because I'm fixing to kill you. This is what the a white cop said to a black um, person that he had pulled over. You better run, and then the epithet for black person, nigger, in other words, because I'm fixing to kill you. Campbell was reprimanded, suspended, and ordered to undergo anger and diversity training. <laughs> diversity training. So he learns about black people and how they're just like us. They're just like regular people. After Rourke resigned, Campbell was reassigned to administrative duties. Governor Mark Sanford said he should have been fired. Schweitzer said that he would step down after his replacement is confirmed. A couple of cops resigned over it. Good for them. Uh, Another case where I guess somebody thought using the word nigger was appropriate. Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton bluntly challenged Barack Obama to agree to new primaries in Michigan and Florida today and said it was wrong and frankly un-American not to have two delegations seated at the Democratic National Convention. Senator Obama speaks passionately on the campaign trail about empowering the American people said the former first lady who trails her rival and delegates uh, to this date. Today, I'm asking him to match those words with actions. Obama has yet to declare his support or opposition, although his campaign has raised a number of procedural and legal questions about the most recent proposal for an early June primary in Michigan. Of course, uh, this is all about, you know, that Hillary thinks that she'll win those two states. And, of course, she doesn't want to lose uh, two states that may be important to him, to her, and Barack is not in any hurry to redo those states because he thinks they may be bad for him. The proposal offers a rerun for the state, but not for all the voters. Bob Rauer, Obama's election lawyer, wrote in a memo during the uh, day. Today, he warned of the possibility of numerous legal challenges and embarrassment to the party. Florida and Michigan both held primaries back in January on a schedule that violated Democratic Party rules and have been stripped of their convention delegates as a result. So they don't get to vote. And so the 
Florida Michigan delegates don't count. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I don't get it. Why do we leave all this shit up to a couple of people anyway? Why are these people deciding for everybody in the state? Do they take a poll of everybody in the state? Are they just voting, you know, what they believe is the the correct vote? In which case, if that that's fine, but why just this tiny little group of people? Why do they get to choose? Doesn't make sense. Hillary Rodham Clinton was home at the uh, White House on a half dozen days when her husband had sexual encounters with Monica Lewinsky, according to Senator Clinton's schedule released today. So this is the first thing that these people, they scour through 11,000 pages of papers from her years as First Lady, and the first thing they do is they go to those days that were mentioned in the Monica Lewinsky hearings to see if, if Hillary was home. She could have provided services on uh, six of the times that Clinton was getting his dick sucked by Monica. The words of the schedules are dry, but they take an emotional weight when coupled with the revelations about the sex scandal that eventually came to light. A year later, the First Lady's schedules show her pressing ahead with public events and showing her face as revelations about the scandal uh, upended her life and threatened Bill Clinton's presidency. The papers also shed light on her struggle for health care reform. Early in the Clinton administration, her scaling back when the efforts failed, her travels abroad and the legal woes that dogged the Clintons in the White House. Remember, they were constantly getting sued by people who claimed that Clinton pushed his penis into their hand or uh, that there was some kind of uh, whitewater property scandal, the the upshot of which was um, everybody made like an extra seven or eight grand and this became like a fucking multi-trillion dollar uh, investigation, so they were dogged for eight years by legal problems. They were also, uh, um, you know, on her schedule uh, doing these uh, Guns Aren't Cool awards. Uh, she denounced a vast right-wing conspiracy in a TV interview. Um, she had drop-by events or meetings in the map room and diplomatic reception room. Uh, and so all this was going on while Monica was fucking Bill under the desk. And, uh, but she was, you know, walking around in the White House. She could have provided services, maybe wasn't available. Maybe Bill was looking for some strange. You know how that is. Uh, it's always great when somebody you know, worships the ground you walk on. I'm sure this chick was enamored of his power. So it's great getting your dick sucked by somebody who really, really means it, you know? The owner of a famous cheesesteak shop did not dis uh, discriminate when he posted signs asking customers to speak English. A city panel ruled today in a two-to-one vote. <laughs> the uh, Commission on Human Relations panel found that uh, two signs at Geno's Steaks in Philadelphia telling customers, this is America, when ordering please speak English, do not violate the city's fair practice ordinances. The balls of somebody, by the way, to even bring this fucking shit up. To go to the government and say, we don't like the sign that this guy... How about just not fucking shopping there, you moron? Shop owner Joe Vento has said he posted the sign in October of 2005 because of concerns over immigration reform and an increasing number of people in the area who couldn't order in English. Vento said he'd never refused service to anyone because they couldn't speak English. But critics agreed that the signs discourage customers of certain backgrounds from eating at the shop. 
Well, you know what? My advice to those people is don't eat at the shop. Not every place is open to everybody. Who the fuck do you think you are? Who do, who do we all fucking think we are that every place has to welcome us in? Uh, you know what? Let's, let's do this. Let's live in a world where everybody is allowed to hate whoever they damn well please. And we can't legislate against it. And if somebody doesn't want to hire you because you're black, fine. If somebody doesn't want to hire you because you're fat, Somebody doesn't want to hire you because you're Jewish. Somebody doesn't want to hire you because they don't fucking lo- like the cut of your jib. Uh, then that's fine. That's fine. That's their choice. You make your choices when you grow up. When you own a company, when you own a store, and you don't think those things are right, don't do them. But don't make it my fucking problem. Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio. It's Wednesday, March the um, 19th. Is it? So it is. Time flies when you're having fun. The river flows. It flows to the sea. Here's the story of a couple of guys that sold their lives. You're listening to the ravings of a clown on JR. Don't touch that dial. The river flows. It flows to the sea. Wherever that river goes, that's where I want to be. Flow, river, flow. Let your waters wash down, take me from this road to some other town. All he wanted was to be free. That's the way it turned out to be Flow, river, flow Let your waters wash down Take me from this road To some other town Flow, river, flow Past the shitty tree Go, river, go the sea flow to the sea the river flows it flows to the sea wherever that river goes that's where I want to be flow river flow let your waters wash down Take me from this road to some other town. And if I had a boat, I'd go out on the ocean. And if I had a pony, my boat, and we could all together go out on the ocean, setting me up on my pony on my boat. Now if I were Rod Rogers, I'd sure enough be single, I couldn't bring myself to marry an old dad. Would it just be me and Trevor, we'd go riding through them movies, 
himself a Tonto because Tonto did the dirty work for free but Tonto he was smarter and one day said Kimosabi kiss my ass I bought a boat and I'm going out to sea and if I had a boat I'd go out on the ocean and if I had a pony I'd ride him on my boat and we could all together go out on the ocean me upon my pony on my boat <laughs> Lyle Lovett on Jester Radio, whoever the fuck that is. Uh, we heard from uh, the birds before that and the Ballad of Easy Roddy. You tuned into the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio. That's the dream, man. Give it up. Give it up and move on. You know, this, we've, there's um, uh, so many losses that we suffer in life that we have no choice over. It's great to uh, take the bull by the horns and... Make your own losses. Make your own gains. McDonald's, Coca-Cola, and other sponsors pay tens of millions of dollars to link their names with the Beijing Olympics. Now they're trying to mollify activists that are pressing for change in Tibet, Darfur, and other issues without angering China. They've expressed concern over Tibet. Some talk privately to Beijing organizers. Samsung Electronics called off a Beijing news conference scheduled for Friday on the torch relay. Some sponsors insist that they should just stay out of politics. We all have to be careful about how we talk about this, said Chris Renner, president for China of Sports Marketing Consulting for uh, Helios Partners. Its client include the sponsors Volkswagen, uh, Lenovo, the computer maker, 
and the mining giant BHP, the Olympic almost always attracts activists interested in leveraging the popular event to publicize the causes. But, you know, if you're walking down the street and you see somebody getting mugged, do you say, I don't get involved in community issues? So to just say we're not going to be political when, you know, the, this brutal crackdown in Tibet is going on, you know, it's just almost uh, irresponsible. People clamped down in far-flung towns and villages today seeking to restore control in the Tibetan areas of western China as sporadic demonstrations against Chinese rule in Tibet flared up. A top Beijing Olympics official vowed the unrest would not disrupt plans for the torch relay. Proceeding this summer's Olympic in Beijing, one leg of the relay is to pass through Tibet, taking the flame to the peak of Mount Everest sometime in May. The official Xinhua News Agency said late today that 170 people had surrendered their uh, or surrendered for their role in last week's riots in Tibet's capital, Lhasa. The violence injured 325 people, and China says 16 people were killed, denying claims by Tibetan exile groups that 80 people were killed. So who do you believe? <laughs> you believe China? Uh, despite an expanding police crackdown, Tibetans, and by the way, if you have any doubt whatsoever that uh, you know Dick Cheney and George Bush are different kind of people than you and I, and they think differently, and they can do things that are really, truly evil, then look around at some other world leaders if you have a hard time seeing it um, and see the kind of shit they do um, and the kind of secrets that they keep that we all in the rest of the world, you know, look on and say, wow, you know, these, these guys are lying to their fucking people. How do they do it? Leaders lie to their people. It's what they do. Despite an expanding police crackdown, Tibetans have continued to take the streets to take to the streets to call for Tibet's independence and the return of the Dalai Lama, their ex exiled spiritual leader. Hundreds of protesters, some on horseback, others on foot, stormed the government compound in the town of Hezuo in Gansu province uh, yesterday, crying, free Tibet, whirling lassos and shaking their fists. They burned the Chinese flag, hoisted the emblem of uh, independent Tibet. The dramatic footage was captured by a Canadian television crew and aired by the British Broadcasting Corp. The protesters were driven off by police wielding clubs, quickly dispersed after parliamentary reinforcements arrived, uh, paramilitary, I should say. There were no reports of serious injuries or arrests. 325 people surrendered. That's my favorite part. They just walked right into the Chinese, uh, you know, police station. I have a hard time with that. Police have detained a man suspected of fatally shooting four men in a junkyard as panicked customers fled. Uh, Tuesday's shootings at a close range were very deliberate. The suspect likely reloaded at least once, according to Police Chief Danny McCogney. At least some of the victims worked at the uh, Black Road Auto in the outskirts of Santa Maria, California, about 150 miles northwest of L.A. This is a case of workplace violence, the chief said, without elaborating. We have a lot of work to do here. We have a very large crime scene. And who the fuck is Jester Radio? One victim was found in the junkyard's office. Three were outside. No one else was hurt. There was a lot of customers on the property. They were running outside. Uh, according to this, uh, Lieutenant Dan asked, it was a pretty chaotic situation. One of the victims found still had a pulse. Uh, while p police searched for the gunman, pa paramedics were escorted onto the property under armed guard to treat the guy, but he didn't uh, survive. Um, this guy asked, told reporters late yesterday that the suspect took off running, tried to get over a fence, and was captured. 
The gunman discarded a semi-automatic handgun before taken into custody and that it was later found. The suspect is being detained for questioning, but as of late uh, today, he was not, uh, his name wasn't released. Police spent the night searching the yard for evidence and to make sure there wasn't any other dead people laying around. Hey, you've been listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jest Radio this Wednesday, March the 19th. So uh, this is what's going on in my life. Uh, just, you know, thinking about this uh, moving on thing. And I know I've talked about this before, but I guess it's kind of, you know, I, I need to make a decision that makes me feel like I'm doing something instead of waiting for something to happen. This is what I can't stand. This constant sense that I'm uh, um, waiting and hoping for something to materialize. And... Um, you know, when I was a kid, even as a kid, 15, 16, 17 years old, um, there was this very sort of tempting idea. I talked about how I would leave, you know, my business when I was older with a big check and think about, you know, a fella could start over in life. But even as a young kid, um, I wanted to, the situation I grew up in, I, you know, grew up in this sort of very affluent uh, uh, family and neighborhood and, um, not the kind of thing that most of my peers were rushing to get away from. And for me, it was my dream to leave all this behind and become like a hobo on the road, uh, me and you and a dog named Boo traveling and living off the land. You know, this was my ideal of a dream. And all the, the, um, the, 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 the beauty and the, uh, the, or the freebies and all this uh, shit that, you know, the, the gold and silver that I had waiting for me from my family was like revolting to me. All the riches that they offered, all these monetary and material riches were like disgusting to me. I couldn't wait to move out of the house. I couldn't even wait till I was legally old enough to move out. I moved out like a couple of weeks before um, I turned 17, got this shitty, disgusting little basement apartment. It was like a toilet. Didn't even have its own bathroom. I had to go upstairs and use... Uh, this common bathroom, and and uh, w w I gotta tell you, one time I walked in, and I saw the landlady, who was this like ninety-year-old fucking decrepit lady, in the bathtub with one of my upstairs neighbor, who apparently was exchanging sex with this thing for rent, and I didn't know anything about it, and the, even the idea of such a thing to my young uh, uh, mind was, you know, I couldn't grasp it. When I walked in on them in the bathroom that day, and they were in the bathtub together, man, it scarred me for life, I could tell you. But that was, uh, that was what I wanted. I wanted to live, uh, you know, I, want, I just wanted to give it all up. I wanted to walk away. And now I find myself, you know, in that same situation. This is what I did five or six years ago when I left my job and my you know, 24 years and my business and my family and uh, tried to, you know, make something happen uh, with the Jeff. And now here I find myself in that situation again. This is a song I wrote when I was 16 years old contemplating uh, leaving my parents' house. Um, it was called Carry Way, and it was meant, uh, you know, it was almost the same kind of thing. If I had a pony, you know, kiss my ass, um, I'm just going my own fucking way. So just take all that shit that you got laid out for me and just get it out of my sight. You're on JR. Don't touch that guy. 
to me the riches of your sympathetic smile. Bring me your beauty, I'll be bleeding all the while. Me to the gardens where the happy children play, and when you see, it makes me carry Scarlet summer's night Lay before me everything I dream of night and day After a while When I begin to smile Carry it away Carry away your shoulder I don't want to cry no more Carry away I've been through all this before Morning sunlight finds you I'll be well on my way While I'm gone Carry on, carry away Freedom struck like sunlight The day that I was born Cast out like a shadow Where my world was soft and warm I grew up needing comfort But time has taken that away All I see displeases me Carry it away Carry with your shoulder I don't wanna cry no more. Carry away your heart. I've been through all this before. And if you catch me crying as you go your merry way, it's you I'll need. But let me bleed. Just carry away. Carry away. Carry away. Now my world is leaving me I'll kiss it as it goes Someday I'll be sorry But for now it's all I know Bring to me my future On a, a golden satin tray But if it's free not for me, please carry it away. High atop the rubble of my past inside my mind, a young girl waits with outstretched arms. I know she's very kind, and together we 
inside my mind a young girl waits with outstretched arms I know she's very kind and together we will cross this vast abyss of night and day as for the rest it's all for the best that you carry it away so even then at that uh, tender age of 16 almost 17 I saw my past as a rubble heap that I was um, finished with and at the t very top of it was standing this young girl, very sweet, with outstretched arms. And together we walked off into the sunset. <laughs> and there you go. What's, what's wrong with that, man? Sounds like a fucking plan to me. Didn't work out then. Didn't work out when I tried it again 30 years later. And didn't work out uh, five years after that. So here we are. You're listening to the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio, and that's me, the clown. It's Wednesday, March the 19th, the year of our Lord, 2008. Chrysler expects to post a big decline in March U.S. sales compared with a year earlier, reflecting the automaker's decision to pull back from less profitable uh, deals for car rental agencies. The... Um, uh, sales chief, Jim Press, said today that uh, during a um, news conference that uh, an event with other senior Chrysler executives on the sidelines of the New York Auto Show, now controlled by Serbius Capital Management, Chrysler has posted a 13% drop in U.S. sales in January and February. We'll see, big, uh, we'll see big declines versus last year, driven by our planned reduction of fleet sales. Press said U.S. automakers have been cutting back low-margin sales to the big buyers like the government and car rental agencies in an effort to improve profitability and to boost the resale value of their vehicles. So, And as a result, sales are fucking down. Haven't made a decent car in you know this country worth a fuck in 20 years. Uh, here's an item uh, we picked up from uh, Columbia, South Carolina. Richland County de uh, deputy said two middle school teachers uh, who got into a fist fight in front of students over a personal matter were arrested today. Investigators say the original incident happened in the hallway of St. Andrews Middle School between two female eighth grade teachers uh, last week, last Thursday on March 14th. Sheriff Leon Lott 
said the school's resource officer who works with the Richland County Sheriff's Department say that the fight happened at 2 p.m. in between classes. So they had a whole audience. Lots of the 30-year-old Tawana Horton of Columbia and 28-year-old Cambrella Pickney of Columbia got into a physical altercation in the hallway after the teachers bumped into each other. So they're apparently not making these hallways wide enough for these two ladies. The resource officer says an ongoing personal dispute can be blamed for the reason the teachers were fighting, but he didn't elaborate. I think we can (laughs) all guess what it is. These teachers are still employed by the district, but they have um, not been back at the school since the incident took place. It's a district policy not to disclose any disciplinary action that takes place against its employees. What? It's their policy to not tell the taxpayers, the people who um, are paying their salary, what they're doing to punish their employees, essentially the taxpayers' employees, um, because why? I can't imagine. I would think anything that happens in my employee is my business. A Bridgeport police officer accused of stealing hot dogs from a courthouse concession stand has been fired. Officer Murray, uh, Murphy Pierce has been accused of stealing hot dogs from a vendor starting in late 2006, later trying to tamper with witnesses in the case when the vendor complained. A panel of police commissioners have signed off on the decision to fire Pierce. The board says the intimidation began back in September of '06. When Pierce approached Michael Pinto, who operates the Snaggy Dog concession stand near the courthouse, panel says P- uh, Pinto feared losing his permit for the stand because the police department oversees that function. And he kept bullying him out of fucking hot dogs, man. It was a free, unlimited hot dog stand for him. Finally, the guy couldn't take it anymore. God knows how much fucking money he lost to this filthy fucking pig. Is it enough to... Uh, fire him you know there's a law in many states um called intimidation under color of authority um where you use your badge when you're given a badge by a government uh, it comes with uh, special privileges but it also comes with very special uh, responsibilities and one is to never use it for evil instead of good And uh, bullying somebody out of free hot dogs certainly qualifies as using your color of authority for evil instead of good. So I think the guy should be prosecuted. I mean, how much it's certainly worth if the guy was doing it for, you know, two years. uh, Let's say um, he stole, uh, you know, a minimum, let's say, three hot dogs a week. Um, You know, so three times, uh, let's say he had off two weeks a year, so three times 50 uh, over a period of two years. So that's 300 hot dogs he stole. Guy probably makes two two bucks per doggie. So that's 600 bucks. That's certainly not uh, petty larceny, is it? Yeah, I guess it is. Oh, well. Still, under the color of authority thing, that's the thing that really pisses me off. He bullied the guy because he made him worry that if he didn't cough up freebies to this fucking pig that he would lose his license. Probably some foreigner, you know, didn't know any better. What a fucking world you people live in. Christ on a pony. Have you no shame whatsoever? So this is the story, I guess, that um, got my attention. 
this evening uh, came uh, into the studio after this terrible conversation, actually while the conversation was still going on with my Bluetooth, and I sit down to start uh, looking at my notes for the show, and I see this headline, Man Auctions Life. A man in Australia is auctioning his life, his house, his job, his clothes, and his friends on eBay after his marriage broke up, saying he wants to start a new life. It's time to move, a completely fresh start. I want to see where life takes me, said Ian Usher, 44, uh, on Australian television Tuesday from Perth in uh, Western Australia State. Usher said he was auctioning his life as a package with his house in Perth, which is valued at about $385,000. And this is the ad. Hi there, my name is Ian Usher, and I've had enough of my life. I don't want it anymore. You can have it if you like. Um, Usher said that uh, his life auction, which starts on June 22nd, included not only his house, but a car, a motorcycle, a jet ski, a spa, but also an introduction to a bunch of great friends, a job at a rug shop in Perth for a trial two-week period. He cleared it with his boss. Uh, when it's over, he says, I'll just walk out the front door, take my wallet, my passport, and start a new life, he said. Usher said his ex-wife has heard of his auction, and her comment uh, was, uh, it seems a bit mental to me. <laughs> Which is why they're splitting up, apparently. So, he's got to be thinking, who's going to take this life? My sweet red roses, two blooms for a penny. Who will buy my sweet red roses, two blooms for a penny?
heading for a nasty business keeps our country growing. Where the weapons that we're selling are the only seeds we're sowing. You get to blow the fruits of all your labors, sell F-16s to all your neighbors. And we know that it's for money. That's how the West got bargained. You know, the last time this happened, even Vietnam got jargoned. And you can say they're out to hurt you. You can say they're out to fish you. You can join a gang of restless boys or start your own militia. You can even say your violence is all your own. It's bought and sold. Dar Williams on Jester Radio. I look up to the people who are less bought than I. You can show them what you're selling, and they'll only ask you why. And their paychecks don't have lots of zeros. They're my friends, and they're my heroes. And the TV sets are angry because they just can't make them pay. But I like the way these people read the signs and walk away. We can call ourselves the makers and the keepers of the times. We can spend our sand dollars and our sand nickels and sand dimes. We can even say prosperity is all our own. It's bought and sold. So maybe the goal is not to, you know, maybe I've been sort of setting forth in life since I was 16 um, to, to make my fortune and to make my success. How ironic when that's exactly what I wanted to get away from, the fortune and success. Maybe that was the big mistake. Maybe what I need to do is to move on, but instead move into a fucking cave somewhere and, uh, you know, live the way, I, you know, I'm just built to live. Isolated from humanity and, um, you know, just uh, content that I, you know, get to, got to be a human for a brief flicker of time and, you know, soak up as much as I can. Because the life that I was, you know, gunning for was never out there for me. I was never, you know, destined to be um, the big, um, you know, rich and famous guy that my uh, old man was. And I knew I wasn't. I didn't want it. And uh, yet I, you know, spent my whole fucking life in pursuit of it. And maybe that whole thing with the Jeff is just part of that, you know, uh, thing that I'm drawn to. You know, the, 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 the heartbreaking part of that conversation earlier this evening was the chill, the sort of matter-of-fact way she was talking about our relationship in the past without any real pain and, you know, like doing other things at the time, washing dishes, talking to the dogs and talking to the kids and, uh, you know, easily distracted and then quickly breaking into a joke and then going back to it. It's as if, like, somebody... I don't mean to be melodramatic, but imagine if somebody was like shooting you with a gun and then like stopped and like cracked up about something unrelated. It's like cold. You know, I don't want her to fucking, you know, be weeping and crying, you know, for me. But, uh, man, you know, you got to know that some of the shit you're saying is like fucking killing me, man. You know, but have a heart. But there's that real chill. And uh, there's something I'm drawn to about that chill. I got to say, that's not a healthy thing because I think objectively analyzing it, it's fucked up that she does it and it's fucked up that I keep coming back for that. So there's that formula. You're listening to the ravings of a cloud on Jester Radio. We had something before that, right? Oh, Oliver, this is such a beautiful song. I got so, so many messages about this stupid song. 
it's a wonderful song. Oliver Twist is this terribly unfortunate character, uh, this Dickinsonian character from whence we got the name uh, that uh, he just grows up in abject poverty in a, in a uh, workhouse uh, uh, orphanage in um, se- se- 17th century London or 18th century London. And he sold, you know, he's a pain in the ass because he asked for more fucking food. So he sold to the undertaker. And he just has this terrible, uh, long series of bad shit happening to him. And then one day he wakes up and he's been adopted by this rich family, the judge, who's a very kind, decent soul. And he looks out the window and he hears these women selling their wares. Ripe strawberries and who will buy my... Uh, red roses, two blooms for a penny. And he thinks to himself in his very juvenile way, he's an 11-year-old kid, and you know, in a lot of ways aren't we all on some level. He says, yeah, that gives me an idea, buying. Um, you know, he has very limited understanding of how money works to begin with because he's been an orphan his whole life living in a workhouse. But even just a kid doesn't really understand how things are bought and sold. And he says, wow, I wonder if somebody could buy this wonderful moment from me, this this incredible morning. I look out this window. I'm in clean pajamas. I have, I'm in a home where people love me and they care for me. Uh, I look out on this marvelous morning and these people are selling their wares. It's such a normal, decent uh, thing to see. Uh, who could buy this day from me and put it in a box so I can keep it as a treasure? to last my whole life, you know? Uh, it, it, that, you know, they say, uh, you know, uh, Dion said, I never saw the you know, sunshine till the sun went down. And this kid had seen the sun go down a lot in his life. And he looked out the window and he saw this uh, scene and he thought, you know, who's going to buy this day for me? And um, just a beautiful uh, thought, a beautiful song. So I'm sorry you had to endure that. It was a little long, too. And this was um, all part of what I was talking about earlier about uh, this guy selling his life uh, because um, he's just uh, finished uh, with it. The um, auction starts on June 22nd. We're going to keep you posted on it. Believe me, we're docketing this one because it's just fascinating to me. He's giving all his clothes, the contents of his house, uh, he'll, in an introduction to his group of friends who he's cleared this with, his boss, he's going to give him his job, his boss has okayed that, and he's going to take his wallet and his passport and move on to greener pastures. Holy baby Jesus, something so fucking seductive about that. Japan was uh, has created an unusual government post to promote animation and named the perfect figure today to the position of popular cartoon robot named Doraemon. Foreign Minister Masahiko Kimura appointed the cat an anime ambassador handling a human-sized Doraemon doll and official certificate at an inauguration ceremony, along with dozens of doriaki, red bean pancakes, his favorite dessert, piled up on a huge plate. Kimura told the doll, with an unidentified person inside, we need to tell you, wasn't actually the cartoon character come to life, that he hoped he would uh, widely promote Japanese animated cartoons or anime. Doraemon, I hope you travel around the world as an anime ambassador to deepen people's understanding of Japan so they will become friends with Japan. 
So they're embracing this thing, which has been a source of shame for the Japanese people the past 50 years. Because basically it's, it shows, uh, th this is anime, which is the Japanese um, animation and cartoon style that shows these very submissive, schoolgirl, wide-eyed females and very aggressive and dominant males. It's like with sexuality exuding, and not just sexuality, but pedophilic sexuality exuding from it and it's become an international sensation some of these movies are like huge uh, classics for these people and they watch them and they get off on the fantasy of this big strong you know impossibly strong guy who can you know produce fire from his you know schlong to and these like very dainty submissive japanese wide-eyed you know uh, uh, orifice agape Females. It's grotesque. Just the idea, by the way, of getting off on cartoons. There's something really sick about that. If you've ever, if you have kids, the dichotomy of cartoon and sexuality is too disturbing to even, you know, get a boner. So, but Japanese people are really wacky when it comes to sex. They eat a, like a lot of sex food. Uh, they go out to these restaurants and force their fucking women to schlang down all this disgusting food that they say makes them hot, you know. And then they brag a lot and talk a lot, but God knows what the fuck is going on. I've seen some of these little Japanese peckers, too. They're nothing. They're just like little fucking uh, pencils, you know. But uh, they talk a good game. Two sisters from Virginia who are selling a cornflake shaped like the state of Illinois on eBay said the online auction website canceled their listing. Something really dramatic just happened with our cornflake. Melissa McIntyre, 23, of Chesapeake, Virginia, said uh, yesterday, explaining that the sisters received an email from eBay saying that the state-shaped cereal was in violation of the site's food policy. Aye, but the flake is back. The sisters say the land of Lincoln Twin they discovered in a box of Kellogg's Frosted Flakes is still available after all. McIntyre and her 15-year-old sister, Emily, said they uh, relisted the flake on eBay, but this time they're auctioning a coupon redeemable for the flake instead of the actual cereal flake itself. Bidding today was at $255. You heard me. Copycat items have popped up on eBay, including cornflakes shaped like Hawaii and Virginia. Uh, there was also a potato chip shaped like Florida. <laughs> and there was a cornflake... Um, uh, in Illinois that looked just like the state of uh, Illinois. And there's all this paraphernalia you can buy, including uh, cornflake uh, T-shirts and buttons. The coupon listed uh, specifies the cornflake is not edible. That was the online auction site's main concern in canceling the original listing, according to Nicola Sharp, a, spokesman for, a spokeswoman for the uh, eBay company, in San Jose said, we just had to make sure that they made it clear it's not edible. You can't eat the flake. Bidding on the two-inch by one-and-three-eighths-inch flake is to, scheduled to end on Friday. So some guy's selling his life, and a couple of kids from uh, Chicago were selling a corn flake, or technically, I guess, a frosted flake. Oh, bloody. Nearly a dozen Central Florida firefighters pulled a two-month-old foal from deep shit today after the little horse fell into a septic tank. Rescuers spent more than an hour using horses and, uh, I should say, hoses and ropes 
to save the little guy who escaped with his mother, Reba, from a fenced-in area. When Reba crossed over the septic tank, her weight either broke or displaced the cover, and little shooter fell about three feet uh, down into the foul uh, muck. Uh, he was rescued, smelly but unharmed, and with minor cuts and bruises about his, uh, his uh, trunk. Among the protests, pollution concerns, and talk of boycotts surrounding the Beijing Olympics, a more basic problem has arisen for organizers. The toilets at the more than 30 test events held by organizers, the presence of squat toilets at many of the new and renovated venues has drawn frequent complaints. We have asked the venues to improve on this to increase the number of sit-down toilets, said Yao Hui, Deputy Director of Venue Management for the Beijing Organizers today. Many people have raised the question of toilets. The issue came up again over the weekend when the San Diego Padres played the L.A. Dodgers at the new Olympic baseball venue. The portable toilets trucked in were of the style widely used in Asia, rarely in the West. Uh, Yao suggested it would be difficult to change every permanent toilet in 37 venues, 31 of which are in Beijing. So he said the focus will be on satisfying Three groups of visitors, athletes, journalists, and the Olympic family, primarily uh, uh, VIPs. He said renovation was underway at three of the most uh, striking venues for the Olympics, the 91,000-seat Bird's Nest National Stadium, the Water Cube, and the National Indoor Stadium. He said most of the toilets there should be sit-down style. So we know when the Chinese say should be most, that means very few will. Beijing is expecting about half a million foreigners to attend the August 8th to 24 games. Most of the Chinese people are used to the squat toilet, but nowadays more and more people demand sit-down style. However, it'll take time for the transition. Beijing is reported to be spending at least $40 billion on the venues and related infrastructure, all designed to feature a modern country that's grown in three decades to a political and economic powerhouse. I believe the Olympic Games will be a great opportunity for us to speed up this transition, Yao said. I believe the situation will get better and better. Well, you know what? I predict it's not how it's going to be. I'm predicting that these things that they think are minor and small and they don't really cater to the people who want to sit down and that the squatters are, you know, fine with us, uh, most of them should be at the major venues. I think what's going to happen is during the time the Olympics go on, there's going to be a lot of people bitching and moaning about what a fucking backward-ass, third-world fucking shithole China is, how the toilets are fucked up, and how you know the whole fucking country is, is fucked. And they live like fucking pigs in the wilderness. Uh, I think that that's what it's really going to showcase. Uh, try as they may to divert attention, you know, pay no attention to the uh, uh, poverty-stricken uh, homeless, uh, you know, behind the curtain. This one goes out to Lulu. You're listening to the ravings of a clown on JR. Don't throw it all away like I did. I won't tell her in my arms She said she would Always stay But I was cruel I treated her like a fool I threw it all away 
Once I had mountains in the palm of my hand And rivers that ran through every day I never knew what I had Until I threw it all away Love is all that is It makes the world go round Love and only love It can't be denied No matter what you think about it You just won't be able to do without it Take a tip from one who's tried So if you find someone Who gives you all of the love Take it to your heart, don't let it stray Oh, I think for certain you will surely be a hurting If you throw it all away If you throw it all away
look in the mirror and you'll see how you've been taken. You won't surrender. Even now, your heart is breaking. We always wish for money. We always wish for fame. We think we have the answers. Some things aren't ever going to change. It doesn't matter who you are. It's all the same. What's in your heart will never change. You remember when you got your lucky break? You're looking back now, and it seems like a mistake. John Waite on Jester Radio from the Fallen Backwards album, 1996. In case you're uh, one of those people that claim I never play anything after 1969. Case in point, Bob Dylan before that goes out to Lulu. I threw it all away. What's in your heart will never change, so uh, move on, you know, and uh, it doesn't uh, matter who you are. It's all the same. So maybe what I need to do is to, what I'm thinking, <laughs> so in other words, as usual, I'm going to aggregate all of this down to, and distill it down to how maybe an ordinary person would, would, would take all of this information, process it, and what I've done with it. So maybe a person would take all this information and say, well, well, you know, maybe I need to consider moving forward in life and reconsidering my priorities and so on and take all this new knowledge into consideration and uh, maybe, you know, what I've been wanting and what I've been struggling for my whole life, ironically, is the very thing that I wanted to get away from as young as when I left home when I was 16 years old. And struggled with it every day since, and all that time kidding myself that I was a grown up and independent because I was my very goals in life were based on this, um, you know, perception of what success is that was not mine that I didn't uh, endorse or believe in or uh, even understand. I always wished for money. We always wished for fame. You've been listening to the Ravings of a Clown this Wednesday, March the 19th, the year of our Lord, 2008. Once again, the time's gone by much too fast. I thank you all so very much for stopping by. Can't uh, begin to tell you how much it means to me just knowing you're out there um, listening. And, uh, and to all those that send messages by, I wish you would call. Don't be so shy. What does it take to get you people to use the phone? We will meet in that place where darkness never comes. Until that time, Eustace, be impeccable with your word. That's your word. Don't take anything personally. It's not about you. Don't make assumptions, of course. And always do your best. That's the most important thing. Until that time, Eustace, well, I said to my best friend, can't you see what a mess I'm in? My daddy... He taught me to drink whiskey, and my mama, she died from drinking gin. My brother, he works in a coal mine, works so hard for his pay. And my sister, she believes in sweet Lord Jesus. She's waiting on Redemption Day. What am I living for? Well, I said to my best friend, can't you see? What a mess I'm in My daddy, he taught me to drink whiskey But my mama, she died from drinking
brother, he works in a coal mine. He works so hard for his pay. My sister, she believes in sweet Lord Jesus. And she's waiting for redemption day. What am I living for? I said, hey, why am I living? Why am I giving all my life to bring up a family, children, and wife? Tell me, my friend, hasn't that been done before?
and I found her with a friend of mine. Now it's not so much that I need her, but oh God, how to stay away. I packed my bag and I hit the road. I've never seen her to this day. Champagne 